Welcome to the 3v3 Podcast, a weekly look at the world of hockey with your hosts, Cassie, Pat, and Patrick. Okay, so how do we do this again? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it feels like it's it's been like a month since we last did it. Yeah, it was just last week. I know, I know. Yeah, no, lots happened kind of in a weird way. Well, I mean... With hockey right now, it all every week feels like it's been a month. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a lot it, really, to take in. it really has. And I feel like it's happening not only kind of on the national level, but at least locally in the the fan base, there's been oh some weirdness that oh, I wouldn't wish upon anyone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah it's just been a weird week. Yeah, I agreed. I think that's the only, the best way to put it. So do we do a question this week or, or do we uh, let that go for when Patrick is got his um, voice back? I say we just go with it. All right. And um, that way we can just flow into next week and not have to backtrack or. Good with that. Okay. Uh, let me pull up the question. Do do. All right. One that I haven't thought about recently, but uh, what is your favorite teammate rivalry in NHL history? Oh, okay, okay. I do remember this now. Um. I don't know if I have necessarily a favorite. Um, I definitely have, I mean, maybe the most infamous because it's kind of close to my heart is the Eric Lindros, Rod Brendamore. Uh, feud something, something. I don't even know what to call it because no one will go on the record about it. Um, the only one that I can honestly think of at, off the top of my head is, um, oh, and he played for the Maple Leafs. What is his name? Just totally and blanking Mike Vernon and, um, Doug Gilmore. Okay. Um, when they played for the Calgary Flames and it wasn't so much uh, rivalry as it was a um, wife stealing <laughs> situation. Um, it was one of those things that was, you know, probably not supposed to get out into the general public. Um, but, uh, and I don't remember exactly who was trying to steal whose wife. Um, but there was a, there was obviously a jealousy thing going on there. And Doug Gilmore ended up getting traded to the Maple Leafs because of it, um, with his wife. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, I mean, that's very similar to the Brenda Moore Lindros, uh, story, um, where Lindros supposedly had an affair with Brenda Moore's wife and, Urban legend states that Brenda Moore gave Lindros one of his many concussions towards the end and forced his way out of Philadelphia to Carolina. 
So, mm. but that's all hearsay because I have never met anyone who will confirm specific details. And let's be honest, I would never ask anyone in and around his family for that. Right. <laughs> but, you know, they were uh, two of my favorite players in the, you know, early 90s. And that kind of marked kind of the end of that team um, as Philadelphia kind of knew it because Lindros was soon gone soon after because um, I believe that playoff year was the year he was knocked out by Scott Stevens. And, you know, he found his way to, I guess, uh, the Rangers shortly thereafter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, one of the stories, because the questions, uh, you know, specified teammates. Oh, I guess they might have been teammates in junior. I, I didn't have time to look this up. But Steve Ott and Tim Gleason, uh, I believe they both played for Windsor in the OHL. Mm-hmm. Um, but Ott, while in Dallas, he was married and went through a divorce. And Tim Gleason eventually married that same woman. I don't know, you know. I I don't have any other rumors or, or details about the information. I just know that, you know, those are the facts. You know, those are public record if we want to uh, search it. And whenever those, whenever they played against each other, no matter what, it was like L.A. and Dallas or, or later on, uh, you know, Carolina and Buffalo or, or St. Louis, those two would always get into it on the ice. So it, it always made things interesting, uh, at least from a fan's point of view. So you, it always made you wonder, all right, what happened behind the scenes to cause this <laughs> animosity? Um, and But thankfully, it seems like, you know, everyone's kind of moved on. Every, you know, people have good relationships. Um, but at least it, call, it created some entertaining hockey for from time to time. <laughs> oh, God! Yeah, I'm sitting here trying to trying to think of like teammate rivalry that didn't invite involve um, wives or girlfriends. I don't think he. The only other, I I think, cause for a riff is is a gambling bet in my mind. I think guys can get over beefs. Like if one guy injured another in junior or in college, you can kind of get over that. Even though you may have held a grudge for years. Mm-hmm. Um, but significant others and money, I think would be the two, uh, you know, driving forces for, to create animosity. Yeah. I mean, cause team atmosphere, you're, you know, you can, yeah, you can get over anything related to work essentially, mm-hmm. um, or shelve it anyway and deal with it, um, outside of work hours as the case may be. But yeah, I think you're right. It's like the ones that you can't avoid even when you're at work is probably has to do with love or money. Uh, the two things that make the world go around. <laughs> two things that make the world interesting. Um, so 
if if we're ready to depart this topic. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So um so many directions to go in, right? Oh my god. <laughs> so I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with the league being the league. Um so um it was reported by Sportsnet, um, Chris Johnston, that uh, at the upcoming Board of Governors meeting, there's been talk about creating a league-wide code of conduct and requiring that all future matters of this nature to be reported directly to the NHL head office rather than being handled internally by the organizations themselves. The governors have been asked to bring other ideas to the Monday and Tuesday sessions at Pebble Beach as well. And I retweeted this and my, my comment was, and it's still my comment, uh, I'm afraid to see how badly they're going to botch this up. <laughs> yeah, what what are, I'm going to say, what are the issues general managers are going to push for the governors to fight back on? Because I think there's no turning back something of formal policy is, I mean, it's inevitable. I, I don't think the league's gonna, they are going to cover their own asses. With right. this. And hopefully as part of it, not only code of conduct, but there's some sort of domestic vi uh, violence policy, uh, you know, entwined in this document um, moving forward. But the biggest issue with the league it goes back to whom they allow to have power and say and influence over how and when things are changed. And most of the time it's, you know, general managers or, or rules people. And I am a harsh critic of Colin Campbell. I think he has probably held back the league in more ways than we possibly realize mm -hmm. because he will come to the defense as the vice president of hockey operations for the league or whatever his official title is these days. You know, it's the it's the the hurtful mentality of we've gone through it, so you should go through it too, rather than the health healthy mentality of well, I went through this, so you sh and you shouldn't have to. You know, Colin Campbell has that mentality of well, this is how it was in my day, and this is what I went through, so you guys should have to do that too because that's hockey. And yeah, it's but like that's not right. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, God forbid anyone hold anyone to a higher standard than that's the way it used to be. Right. And, and, and you know, kind of shun your eyes to this is what is publicly acceptable and, you know, publicly what the line is between, you know, a crime and not a crime. Mm -hmm. I, you think those, you know, simple values and judgments would, you know, kind of hold up in any sort of workplace, not just, you know, an entertainment business. Cause honestly talking about this stuff sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, so here's my, my concern with the league deciding to do this is like you said, the league is, is wanting to do this to cover their own asses, which means that they don't have anyone but themselves like at heart, you know, their interest at heart. Um, which means ultimately that they're going to create this code of conduct that does nothing to help the players and 
um, does everything to help the GMs and it's going to just make everything 10 times worse. It's going to help an owner get out of a contract. Like it, 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 right. it's, there's going to be black and white wording that makes it easy. And the only positive I can possibly see from it today is the situation between the flames and Bill Peters will be resolved probably within 24 hours because, you know, you call team calls their team council, whomever that should be. They look up the exact reference in this document and there's a clear cut answer. There's no going back and forth between parties. But see, the NHL doesn't do that. The NHL no. does does the vague wording so that they can make whatever judgment call they feel like making. I do think this time that they have no choice. They cannot do that. Cause yeah, I, I, I hope they, you're right. But I mean, <laughs> there is a potential workers, right? You know, atomic bomb ready to go off if they don't do this right the first time. And, you know, I really lament the fact that this game is run by a bunch of lawyers because unfortunately it had to be at some point because the owners were so dumb mm-hmm. and so frivolous. But hopefully this is the exact time and situations where the lawyers will will come in handy. Um, I, mean, I hope you're right, but I mean, I just... I, well, I, <laughs> the fact that we have to say we hope we're right just tells you how, you know... It's a 50-50 chance. Yeah. If, <laughs> if it's good odds. <laughs> yeah. I will say I do think there's enough fresh blood within the Board of Governors that, you know, hopefully this thing will have some teeth. It'll be like, you know, baby teeth. It won't be full-grown, you know, canines or anything, mm-hmm. but it, it'll have enough. Well, here's the thing is it is whether they realize it or not, the players have the power at this point. Um, and they probably don't realize it, that they have the ball is in their court. They can like, you know, accuse the, the people that were doing the, the abusive things and get them out of the game. You know, but they've been conditioned not to stick their necks out because they're afraid they're going to get their heads chopped off. Um, but the players have the power at this point because they can point fingers at, at the, the people who have done wrong. Um, I'm just wondering if the league realizes that yet or if the league is going to do the what they always do is that the players are cattle and they they can't. You know, they've been trained to not do these things, so they're just going to make the assumption that the players think they're powerless, and so therefore they have nothing really to worry about. I do think the ball is somewhat in the players' court, mainly because there is too much out there. Too much that could come out that any person with any association with the team who is just a complete bag of garbage um there will be enough smoke that and patrick alluded to this last episode that there just might be so much that we just never hear about because it's just suppressed 
and you know. Well, you uh, have a, you have the section of players who are who also have the mentality of, I went through this, so you should go through it, and because that's just hockey, and they just blow off. I mean, they're trying to justify what was done to them by saying that it's what should happen to everybody. Yeah. The the same players that run the PA that suppress, you know, upcoming talent that let's be honest, if the league for the last 15 years had paid younger talent, there'd be no escrow today because spending practices would be a lot more diligent and blah, 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 blah. Basically the powers that be in the, in the players association from player side, create these monsters for themselves instead of realizing that let's be honest without the best talent in this league right now there is no new national tv deal this league would probably fold in five years Mm -hmm. if it were if the play was is similar to let's say 2002 to 2004 just because that you know, we had vested interest at that point, but boomers are, are, you know, the boomer population is starting to slowly fade. They are not gaining any traction with whatever you want to call anyone born after the year 2000. <laughs> they write these long-term deals with different partners that have come back to bite them. They, they would be a third-tier sport. I mean, they're barely a second-tier league at this point. So the players need to basically, they got to do what NBA Players Association has done. You know, smaller smaller body, smaller group, but they take advantage of the situation. They've had a, I've watched more NBA games in the last two years just through sheer interest because oh this seems cool and it's been largely entertaining for me um whereas right now my hockey viewing habits have severely declined in the last 12 months and it's not by pure choice but it's eh, some of the games are still pretty freaking boring and there's not enough interest for me to watch a random tuesday night game anymore Unless, you know, it's unless it's a Oilers game or the Carolina Hurricanes are playing. I, you know, I'm not going out of my way to make sure I watch a game a night like I used to. Right. Yeah, I mean, I'll watch like Colorado when the time zone thing works for me. Um, but otherwise, yeah, I don't really watch sometimes, you know, but I don't really watch otherwise. Yeah, because there's there's a lack of interest and intrigue. Like how I just found out the Minnesota Wild were on an eleven game point streak just blew my mind. Like, why isn't that talked about more? That's kind of interesting. And kind of intriguing. And oh, players like Jason Zucker and Matt Zuccarello are going on a tear, but I mean it's crickets. Because mm-hmm. your rights holders don't give a care. Or if there's not a Canadian team, we're just not going to cover that angle unless you're playing us that night. Unless you're playing one of the seven Canadian teams. 
which drives me crazy. That mentality. Oh my God. I just want to smack people for that. Cause it's like half of every team in the league is Canadian players. <laughs> yeah. and, and you only care about the teams in your country. It's like, Oh God, just right for, for, you know, let's say regional coverage from all the sports radio stations out there. There are players that played in the WHL or the OHL or the QMJHL that you could be talking about. You know, I think when, when a player is traded from your favorite team, lots of people are upset, disappointed, mad, angry. They, they go through a gambit of emotions, but I kind of think of it as an opportunity because, I mean, essentially how I became a Carolina Hurricanes fan, besides the fact that I moved to the area and then had, you know, access to 82 games was... My favorite player was traded there. So I started following that team more and more. And, you know, my, I'd like to say it kind of opened up my mind to, oh, all the other cool stuff beyond what ESPN was showing me back in the, you know, late 90s, early 2000s. And then, you know, I went down a rabbit hole in which I can never return. And, <laughs> and I'm a hockey addict. This is this is the support group, right? Right. Yes. Yes. Welcome, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, it's stuck in that. So, I'm in kind of in the same boat. I tend to follow players, um, unless those players are on teams that that I don't like the coach, or I don't like the team generally speaking. They're fans. Um, sorry, Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, but. <laughs> Um, you know, I tend to follow players. And so I've like drifted from team to team to team over the years and will probably always do that. But it's, it comes down to the people who live in quote unquote traditional hockey markets, um, like the Northeast, the ice belt. Um, cause I mean, I'm here in, in Massachusetts and Pretty much, I would say probably 80% of the Bruins fans out here just care about the Bruins. It's like I, I have a coworker who just loves Boston Bruins, and I try to talk to him about other teams in the league, and he could not care less. Couldn't care less. I'm telling him about league news, and he, like, totally tunes out. <laughs> I'm like... Uh, you do realize this impacts your team, right? And so I think that they're they're stuck with that model. I think that mm -hmm. that's the the whoever's running, um, you know, marketing and and whoever's running how they distribute games and all of that. They're all just thinking about well, this is what fans do where I grew up, so that's what all fans do. And it's like, well, actually, no. No, there's a huge number of fans that like more than one team that follow a bunch of different teams. Even if they do have one team that they prefer, um, you know, you have the general hockey fan who will watch anything if it's on TV. So I, I've been thinking about this a lot lately. So I, I'm making an effort to stay off Twitter for the month of December for a variety of reasons, mainly my own mental sanity. Mm -hmm. And it just got me thinking, like, I hear way less news 
and I'm doing air quotes as I say news, but I, I find out way less information and just digging up simple things like who the starting goalie for a particular game might be has become more and more cumbersome without, you know, this one social network. So it really has me lamenting the days where there used to be some sort of nightly or daily hockey show, whether it be TV or podcast, but just something to keep you up to date. And I think right now, you know, everything that Sportsnet does is Canadian focus. So mm -hmm. it leaves most of the American teams out in the cold. The NBC and NBCSN, they don't do anything every day. Sure, they have stuff on their website, but it's, you know, it takes someone to continually go to the same place and look up the same information that they can find 50 other places. But there is no singular... I, I, I don't know what it needs to be, but there just needs to be something nightly. There's no one-stop shopping place where you just, can get like just to get you enough to have that conversation. Should you ever have a coworker who like who you know shows interest outside of more than one team, or if your one team is really good and here's a cool program and they talk about your team a lot because you know like let's just say the Boston Bruins because they're probably the best team in the league at this point in the season. I actively disbelieve that, but go ahead. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's that's another tangent. Let's let's keep going on with what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I have one of two answers to that, but no, without just to get some of the weird anecdotal news, like you know, as, as Patrick, who may or may not be listening in at the moment, might say, uh. You know, when we had the MBSW podcast, it wasn't all inclusive. It didn't get you caught up on the day's news each and every episode, but it just, it would bring stuff up and keep you aware of things. So you didn't have to follow 31 beat writers on Twitter and read 30 things on the athletic. You know, you wouldn't have to scour or, or, you know, refresh sportsnet.ca on a Wednesday or Thursday for two hours expecting 31 thoughts like I did this past week. <laughs> you know, you would just kind of pick things up, you know, through osmosis, through having a routine of watching a program and get, getting some insights beyond your team because there's enough regional and team-specific coverage out there to keep you semi-coherent as to what's going on. But there, there isn't that that one program that we can turn to anymore, or turn people onto because it's just entertaining. Like um, when I used to have a cable subscription, I would watch baseball tonight on ESPN long after I, you know, stopped caring about teams or even individual players just because it was a really well produced show and it was entertaining because they would show you not only in game updates and they, they would talk about, minutia and like detailed things from you know on occasional segments and i just really enjoyed the program as my interest in the sport waned and waned over time and we're just missing that because well and that's what that's what 
when people lament, you know, us, us, the olds like us or like me, um, I don't do this, but I know a number of people who do lament the the fact that ESPN no longer carries hockey, although they will be soon again. Um, it's not just the fact that you could go watch games on ESPN, but also the fact that they had a an excellent hockey, you know, NHL page on their website, and they had NHL Tonight every night doing a half hour thing of of updates and. It was all of that. It was the whole package um, and not just the games. And so once ESPN didn't broadcast hockey, that all fell by the wayside. And now we have this big gaping hole where nothing was filled to replace that. And so that's why you'll sometimes hear people like wistfully, oh, I wish ESPN still had hockey. Um, And... The reality is, is that, you know, even teams, even team pages aren't that great with their information about, you know, things and things going on with the team. Um, There's social, some social media like um, teams for NHL teams aren't that great about like keeping you up to date about things. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, it's gotten hyper local, which doesn't benefit, you know, your general hockey fan like us who just, you know, you put hockey in front of us and happy to watch it. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of gone to this lazy model of, well, we'll just let the teams do their thing and, and we're good. It's like, well, no, (laughs) no, we're not good. There is a demand for this still, you know, it's like when everyone decided to pivot to video 10 years ago, it all just like fell apart and nobody tried to rebuild it again because everyone just thought, oh, well, everyone's getting their stuff from somewhere. So I guess we'll just leave it. Um, But then, of course, too, they'd have to pay their journalists and, well, can't have that. Right. So. um. So, yeah, and, and the reality is NHL Network should be doing this. This should be the NHL Network filling up the void and, and you know, filling up this hole that we lack where they have a, a nightly program that is broadcast on NHL TV or whatever they're calling it this week and um, giving all the highlights of the day that is, you know, rebroadcast or available to like see not just at the end of the day, but you know, the next morning or whatever. Um, and they should be NHL network should have a page that, so you don't have to slog through NHL.com where it's just like what ESPN used to be in, you know, the ESPN, like NHL page where you just had the highlights and stuff of that day, um, and the occasional human interest story. And so, um, that's what it should be, but for whatever reason, the NHL is not putting money into NHL network and making it into this like juggernaut of reporting on the league. I mean, for, for a entity that wants to control the message as much as the NHL, you 
think that would be kind of the a big point of emphasis for them. But they, I think they're just content while the Bob McKenzie's and Elliot Friedman's of the world exist to let somebody else on somebody else's dime do the work for them. And what's kind of crazy as you were going through that, I started thinking of different examples of things that the league themselves did that were really great to help fill this void, but they never stuck with anything long enough. Nope. For example, on the website every day, they used to have a video um, hosted by what I would presume to be a couple of actors and actresses just trying to make their way in mm-hmm. New York. But it would literally be a highlight show of varying lengths based on however many games or really how, however entertaining the games from the previous night were. And it was really good. It, it got you caught up very, very quickly. Whereas... Well, I want to watch highlights for a game that for for the league last night, let's say. My son does this every morning. He gets up, pulls up the iPad, has to go to each individual game, hit play. Yeah, that sucks. And it's just a crappy experience because it's some of the stuff that they leave in there too. It's it looks like what you know, some sort of junior or junior producer would clip together for, you know higher up to, you know, shave down to whatever kind of time period they need for the NHL network. It it just feels like an unpolished result. And that's just the, that that's just a game recap on a website. But the league had a program that they could have rebroadcasts on, you know, NHL network because the two entities both existed at the time. But, you know, a year or two later, it just kind of went by the wayside. And then they did the same thing with their NHL Live program, where it was a, you know, a serious XM show that they turned into a TV show. And they moved it from, a, basically, they moved it to right prior to game time during the East Coast afternoon commute, which, worst time imaginable for an East Coast fan, probably pretty ideal for the West Coast fan. Mm-hmm. Of course, it was, you know, a, a show published in, you know, Manhattan with an East Coast bias. So and, and you know, focused probably way too much on seven o'clock face offs. But they just kind of took a good idea of the same voices coming to you every day. And then they changed it a little and then they changed it a little. And it's just like you've created something while it's like a decent product. It's, who is it serving? What purpose is like? It just stopped working. So it's there, like, like everything NHL, there's a huge void, and I feel like they're quasi easy solutions if you know someone is willing to commit the time, not even necessarily the, the money to it. I think that NHL Network is just such a waste. It is, and I like the talent that they have individually. And I think some of it is pretty well produced. But it's, one, it's hard to find on a available streaming package anywhere in the world. Which is ridiculous. It should be on, it should be an option on NHL TV. It should be part of your subscription. I agree. And I I hope one of the coming changes in the league is how, what they can sell with NHL TV. Because I've been a subscriber since day one of NHL Game Center, 
when that mm-hmm. was first a thing for internet only. And the fact that they block out NHL network games when essentially they could just do a simulcast of the network to subscribers only. I don't see how that could lose them money. I really don't. Well, I mean, I don't even understand why they still have it because it's difficult to find. They don't have it as part of their subscription and then they don't bother to like make it into something worthwhile. You know, I mean, they may have decent talent on there, but they're not utilizing them. And so there there's, it's just such a waste. You know, with all the, once again, lawyers probably did this in, but once it was taken over by, you know, BAM tech, it's kind of part of the MLB studios. You know, I've, I've heard mixed things. Like they do some things great. They do some things not so great. The talent changes probably far too much. And there's just nothing worth holding on to or subscribe. I, I gave up on having a subscription for NHL Network years ago, and I don't think I'm missing out. Yeah, I've never had one. Um, I mean, there are like a few times a year where it's great to have, and it's basically trade deadline, January 1, and uh, during the World Junior Championships. But... Yeah, I mean, and it wouldn't take them, it wouldn't actually take a lot of money for them to, like, produce worthwhile content, you know? I mean, most of it, they already have a studio, they already have talent, they just need to bring in people to do something with it. Let let it be a stepping stone onto some other network somewhere else, because... It's never going to be a place where this is where your career, like this is the pinnacle of your career. No, there's always going to be something that's greater. There's always going to be a better thing. So treat it like a stepping stone and let people, you know, take some chances. You know, I would, I would be extremely fascinated to see what some talented, you know, new college graduates could kind of produce for a, let's just say a 30 minute show one day a week. Because yeah. you know, so many they they gotta they gotta play enough reruns to get those same four commercials that are shown across every show played. But there's got to be a time slot like right before a you know a central time zone game that the network's gonna air. Just do that right before a pregame show. Lead in and then repeat it again after. But. Yeah, I don't get it. I, I mean, I really don't. The whole thing just baffles me and it frustrates me. <laughs> it's like, but it could be something. It could be something worthwhile if you just made an effort. Exactly. Exactly. <sighs> oh, well. So what else is there? What else can we bitch about? <laughs> um... <laughs> Loser points? No, we've already done that. We did that, yeah. Um, Loser points? Oh, uh, stand? No. Um, I was at the Bruins game last night. Yeah, how how was that? Was that your first game at TD Garden? It was my second. I went to one last year. Um, 
<laughs> it it's an interesting experience because a lot of people will tell you that going to a game, rooting for the opposing team in Boston and Philadelphia for that matter, is a dangerous proposition to do. You know, people will rough you up, people like give you a hard time, et cetera, and so on. And so, uh, I mean, I even had a, my, my coworker who is really a, a big Boston Bruins fan. He was like, yeah, I remember in the, uh, in the, 80s somebody was at in the old boston garden that somebody was thrown off the um upper deck <laughs> because they were from an opposed they were wearing an opposing team's jersey and i'm like i vaguely remember that story um, but the trick is because i've actually watched games and cheered for the opposing team in philly and twice in now in boston don't wear a jersey and don't be obnoxious and don't like be really over the top in cheering for your team and you'll be okay. I've, I've never had any problems, but, um, so I went, I went to the game last night, they were playing Colorado and I was really hoping for a blowout by Colorado for two reasons. Um, one, because, you know, it's Boston and two, because then I knew that like half the arena would leave and it would be so much easier to go home after the game was over. <laughs> they ended up winning four to one Colorado did. Uh, well, but the, the empty netter was like scored with like two seconds left. And I'm like, oh, you couldn't have done that sooner. Come on. <laughs> now I have to sit in traffic with everybody. That's inconsiderate um, but which which you know I I left my seat when the teams left the ice at the end of the game and I got home about 15 minutes before the avalanche tweeted that their team was getting on the plane so <laughs> I'm like yeah that took a little bit it was actually the longest part was getting out of the uh getting out of parking normally I would have taken the train in but um I didn't want to deal with it when it was like going to be 10 degrees coming home. So standing on platforms and warming up cars and things. So I, uh, I, uh, paid for parking, which was an arm and a leg. So I could avoid that. But, um, but yeah, it was fun. It was a good time. Uh, there was actually quite a, quite a few avalanche fans there. Um, some people who actually had flown out and made the trip. Um, and uh team I wanted to win, win, won. So, <laughs> although I have to say TD Garden is in the worst possible place in all of Boston to get to. Yeah. It's just right smack downtown on a river. And if you don't take the right exit, you're crossing the river and on your way to the airport. <laughs> and of course, all the exits are like goofy too. So it's. Oh, I know. I know. I remember one time in college, I had to cover something up at Boston College. And oh man, if you're not careful and you don't know the exact uh, exit off the turnpike for Chestnut Hill, you're, you're going to be spending a couple extra bucks that you weren't planning on. Oof. Yeah. Yep. 
So, and then the night before I went to a AHL game in Providence. That was my first time there. Yeah. But, um, and they were playing the Binghamton Devils with Corey Schneider in that. And his confidence is shattered. Oh, I'm sure. Just and, shattered. And it is, I think it is harder to be a AHL defenseman than NHL defenseman. Goalie. Or, yeah, that too. Oh. <laughs> Tells you where my head's at. No, uh, we're, everything is just straight line, so there's no telling what you're going to see night to night. Well, he, so I was sitting behind him, me and a coworker went, and because uh, my company was selling or had reduced price seating um, for the weekend. Wait, and, wait, I, I'm, may I interrupt you? Mm-hmm. They're, uh, Boston's an arbitrary six team. Mm-hmm. Right, right. They they have ticket deals to sell tickets to games. I, I'm confused. I, I thought the seats no, were No, this is Providence. This oh, is Providence. Oh. Yeah, no, this is Providence. Um, I mean, usually I go to games by myself because I've moved around the country and it's, you know, nobody is as big a hockey fanatic as I am usually. So I just go to games by myself and you can always find one single seat somewhere. Yes. If you're willing to pay, but yes. you can always find a single seat somewhere. Um, although I didn't decide to go to the game in Boston until like two days before <laughs> I was watching the game in Montreal, you know, Colorado playing Montreal. And I'm like, hmm, I think I'm going to go to the game Saturday. <laughs> well, that's fun, but man, now I missed out on my chance to rag on the Bruins and oh, all the ticket narratives. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, actually, um, I'm trying to think. Next weekend, I think I'll be attending my first AHL game uh, since uh, probably 25 years. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to be in Charlotte for a coaching clinic. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I'll, I think I'm staying five minutes from where the uh, Charlotte Checkers play, and they'll be playing uh, the, uh, the Crunch that weekend. So it'll be a... Uh, be a fun little trip down memory lane in the building where I graduated high school X number of years ago. Mm-hmm. It, a non-insignificant number mm-hmm. for those of you guessing. So. Um, what's funny, whenever I hear Charlotte, uh, I have to remind people, you know, they... You go through the whole NHL expansion where what are the cities people should be, they should be putting an NHL team, blah, blah, blah. You know, Houston and is always brought up, Kansas City. Um, Charlotte's like the seventh largest metropolitan area in the United States. Yep. <laughs> Something like that. It's in the top 10, I think. And... And uh, no one ever brings up Charlotte. It's hilarious. I'm, you know, people sit there, Houston, and and because it's like the Houston's fourth. the fourth, yeah, yeah, it's the fourth largest metropolitan area in the U.S. And I'm like, yeah, but I think Charlotte's like five, six, or seven, or something like that. And people are like, where? <laughs> yeah, because because it's not a destination city. There's 
unless you're going there for an event, there's very little reason to visit from out of town. Right. I mean, we could rattle off all the names of Northeast cities or traditional hockey market cities, but there's always something else in those markets. Charlotte is a, it's a, it's a suburban metropolis. It does not have the infrastructure to, it definitely does not have the infrastructure to take on another major league franchise, although they're rumored to get a new MLS team. Mm-hmm. But, you know, your story of getting home from the Bruins game yesterday, I mean, that would be par for the course for anyone in, in Charlotte. And it's kind of par for the course here in Raleigh, which, excuse me, Raleigh-Durham, for, for all the local listeners, because I love saying Raleigh Durham, because it's the name of the airport. That's not even, it's not even in either city or either town technically. Um, details. Yeah. Well, <laughs> details are fun to make an argument just to rile people up. Um, Charlotte's a fine place to live or grow up, but I mean, the appeal of the Panthers for you know, six or seven dates a year. Okay, it kind of works because you're willing to make a time investment. Hornets struggled. They, you know, seem to tread water now and they're not the most profitable NBA franchise, but to put another team in that market would just be tough, especially for a regional sport where it's good for minor leagues like AAA baseball, AHL hockey. I think it's ideal. Ooh, an NHL team there might struggle. Yeah. Uh, mainly because there's no way they would get a new facility and sharing something with the Bobcats just won't work. Or, jeez, uh, I said Bobcats, Charlotte Hornets. <laughs> because once upon a time, the AHL team uh, did share the facility with the or with the Checkers. So they right. played in a giant 24,000-seat arena, and it was limited to the lower bowl most of the time, but eh, it didn't work out so well. So they moved to you know this other arena that's been around for God knows how long, and it's been perfect. So, Speaking yeah. of arenas. Okay. And the Carolinas. The Hurricanes are getting a new practice facility. Did I hear that right? That is correct. Worst kept secret in the world. Um, <laughs> why there was a press conference for this on, I guess it was Friday, I have absolutely no idea. I'm guessing architects' plans for the team's space is, uh, I, I guess those just got signed off on so they could share it with the public. But yeah, they're getting uh, a new twin facility. Is It's been under construction probably since, oh, I think they broke ground in June. Mm-hmm. Um, the structure itself is up. They're, you know, it'll take another six to nine months. Uh, but the team is uh, signed a, officially signed a deal to uh, use it as their full-time practice facility, which will open up the arena for more dates because I would say 85% of the team's uh, local practices take place at PNC Arena, mm-hmm. which is rarely the norm 
for NHL teams. And their quote-unquote practice rink that they have now is a joke of our facility, let alone for an NHL franchise. Um, So it's been long overdue. It will net the area hopefully one sheet of ice uh, because their current practice facility is slated to close uh, because the owner of that is building this new facility and the real estate's too valuable. Um, It'll be nice. It'll be the first built-from-the-ground-up rink in this area in 25 years. Oh, wow. I mean, outside of PNC Arena, which the public doesn't have regular access to as a as a hockey or figure skating facility. So that will be nice. I mean, we have a converted um, roller rink. We have a converted, oh, I forget what the one south of town is. Uh, some, we have a converted um, street sweeper factory, a factory where they manufactured like full sweepers that they used to use in the 60s and 70s mm-hmm. not not like the garbage truck size ones that you see today um what else has been converted oh the current practice facility used to be a dance club <laughs> awesome so retrofitting some of these buildings and kind of jerry-rigging compressant compression systems hasn't been the best strategy in the world but when they're private entities and they're the only game in town they can get by doing the bare minimum naturally so it it's exciting from an out, outside point of view it, i think they're slated to have you know 2000 seats in the building kind of mirror i think what um kettler and dc has for the for the caps um so it'll be a, a nice space to hopefully bring in some usa hockey events at the youth level um I presume, if not next year, in 2021, the Canes will host a prospects tournament in September. Uh, they'd recently kind of switched their their offseason habit of playing in the Traverse City tournament that the Red Wings put on. And then they've joined with the Caps, Lightning, and Predators and their kind of three-team Rob Robin weekend. So... So it'll be nice. Uh, it'll save me 15 minutes on my commute that I have to do uh, after we finish recording because I have a, a rec league game this evening at the <laughs> um, abomination of a rink, uh, NHL practice rink. And so I will appreciate that. Um, hopefully it'll just be something nice because what they have when teams have to skate there, I feel embarrassed for, you know, the visitors. Right. Yeah, I mean, hopefully it's the first of many. I hope so. Um, it, it would be it, it would sure be nice. In the past year, I think the playoff run, once again in in non traditional markets or what I'd like to call a market, um, <laughs> when the team succeeds, there's an influx in youth participation, and sure enough, this year I think. Whew, there was an additional 800 kids that signed up to play on teams for this upcoming fall. Mm-hmm. And that ends up having a trickle down effect and affects, you know, you know, the youth teams get their, they get first crack at all the ice times. Cause you pay a premium for the time a day. Right. 
and then all the rec league, adult rec leagues and and you know you know private ice rentals kind of fall by the wayside so i went from you know last spring practicing or, or i should say playing you know anywhere between 11 15 a.m and like eh, 9 20 p.m my start time on a weekend might range anywhere between there now it's i think I'm playing tonight at 6.35 Eastern time. That's the earliest start time I've had since summer when there are no youth leagues and there are no, you know, there's not a high demand for premium ice times. So so hopefully it will have a trickle-down effect where there's an infrastructure to take care of all those kids that want to play and then, you know, it's a little more accessible for new adults to play and there's more teams and maybe we can subdivide our 37 C leagues that, <laughs> that we have because no one wants to be called a D league or an E league or an F league um, just because we're all kind of mediocre because it's late at night and we're tired. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That that's yeah, that's part of the reason why I stopped playing. Um, besides, you know, blowing out my ankle. Um <laughs> was the the closest team for me to practice at or pl- play with, um, after I aged out of the one that I created, helped create, uh, was Seattle. And Seattle's an hour and a half drive one way. Um and you know, they usually practiced at ten thirty at night. And, you know, so that would be getting home at one o'clock in the morning just to go play hockey. That was a, didn't seem reasonable to me. So I stopped. Yeah. Like I don't mind getting home at one on a once a week basis when my commute's only, you know, 25 minutes, it's kind of easy, but when it, you know, when you're talking about wanting people to drive 40, 50, 60 minutes, and there are definitely people that would, you know, spreading things out just a little bit, it'll help your participation numbers. Cause what I am saving living kind of out in the suburbs versus, you know, in the more uh, urban areas I can put towards, you know, my meager league fee, uh, you know, three times a year. Mm-hmm. So, hockey's fun it is it's just when the adults get involved uh it ruins everything especially adults wearing suits god you mean the people pretending to be adults who wear suits pretending to be adults yeah i i pretend to be an adult every day but i'm upfront about it (laughs) you're honest I, I work a day job that requires me to wear a shirt and tie uh, never. Uh, and with good reason I do that because it makes life easier for all parties involved. Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> I, I have to, I have to do business casual. So, um, and I, I will say as a work from home employee, because the commute to my regular office is just a pain. Um, I still wear work casual. 
or business casual jeans and an appropriate shirt. I'm not just hoodies and t-shirts like every person that works on a computer from home. Mm. Yeah. See my, my boss says business casual and he's like walking in in a suit or not a suit with a dress shirt and a tie and pants. And I'm like, that's not business casual. So, <laughs> so, you know, before we start going down that road, we should probably wrap this up. Yeah, and I think for the first time in the show's history, we we have a qu- question of the week from someone off mic. Would you like? Would you like to uh, reveal? Sure. So Patrick is out because he is sick and he has no voice. But he is our third, our third unseen member who is still here. Um, and so his question is: What is one trade in NHL history that you would undo? Oh, thank you for creating loads and loads of research because <laughs> All right. I have to go down and look at tree trees. Oh, God. No, I'm not doing that. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter at 3v3 Podcast. This has been the 3v3 Podcast, sponsored by Nobody.